I think there's absolutely is every business's responsibility to help solve social issues or have some kind of positive impact in the community. Hi, I'm Holly Ransom and welcome to Coffee Pods, a podcast devoted to fueling your difference. Here at Coffee Pods, we have a simple hypothesis that in the mere amount of time it takes to share a cup of coffee with someone, we can tap into a lifetime of experience. And that's exactly what we aim to do here at Coffee Pods, to give access to some incredible individuals who've marched to the beat of their own drum and who are willing to share their advice, their highs, their lows, their insights, in order to help give each and every one of us the toolkit and the inspiration to fuel the difference that we're trying to make in our own lives, communities and organisations. Coffee Potters, this week we're heading to the land of the long white cloud. That's right, New Zealand, and our guest is the incredible social entrepreneur, Lisa King. Now, Lisa had a background for about 15 years in high-level marketing roles in fast-moving consumer goods-type companies. Before she stumbled upon this statistic, she just wasn't prepared to walk past. And that was data around how many young New Zealanders go to school each day without food in their stomach. She decided that she was the person to do something about it. So she set up Eat My Lunch NZ, a social enterprise built on a one-for-one model where you buying your lunch as an individual or corporation not only gives you your lunch, but it provides a lunch to someone from a low-income school. It's gone gangbusters. Uh, Lisa's been named uh, person of the influence in business in 2016, in the community in 2017, one of the most prominent social entrepreneurs in the whole of New Zealand. And the scale with which this business is growing is extraordinary. And we're going to touch on uh, not only how Lisa saw the need, but how they've built and responded to that extraordinary demand, because that's been one of the biggest challenges they've faced. It's an amazing story and a truly remarkable woman telling it. Without further ado, here's Lisa King. Lisa King, I'm thrilled to have you on Coffee Pods. Thank you so much for making the time to have a chat with me. I've been blown away by reading about the social enterprise you've created. Eat My Lunch, which we'll get into in a moment in terms of its impact, really started from your appreciation for how many children in New Zealand were going to school hungry every day. How did you stumble on that information? Yeah, so it was actually a news piece that um, was on a current affairs show and they compared lunches of kids at a um, high decile, so high income level family school to one of a low decile school. And there was just a stark comparison of the number of kids that actually didn't bring lunch Mm. to school. And yeah, so from there, I think like every Kiwi, I was just really shocked to find out that we had such a massive problem in a country like ours. And 27% of Kiwi kids, so it's one, almost one in four, are currently living in poverty. Wow. And you just wouldn't think that in a country like New Zealand that we would have this kind of problem. And we estimate that there are around 25,000 kids every day going to school in New Zealand without food. Now, one of the things I find really interesting is lots of people can see that information. It was on a New Zealand television program, so I assume lots of people here saw it. But you chose to take action. What was it in you that it sparked that made you say, I have to do something about this? Yeah, I well, I'm a mum of two um, young kids and I think, it, and, you know, I'd say like most other parents, you just couldn't imagine your kids going to school and not eating all day and actually functioning and learning and um, thriving, you know, in that environment without food. But for me, I guess I was at a point in my life where, you know, I'd spent a long time in corporate I'd always wanted and I'd always been involved in charity and giving back and but never thought I could make a career of that. Mm. Um, and I always just was thinking, you know, what am I actually doing to make a real difference um, apart from marketing 
chips and chocolate to the New Zealand public. <laughs> you were Fonterra at the time, right? Yeah, and I was with yeah. Fonterra at the time as well. Um, and I think I just got to a point in my life and I thought, you know, I wanted to do something that my kids would be proud of. Yeah. That And, yeah, and that I would be proud of myself. And so I think it was just really that point of seeing something that I just knew I had to do something about and thinking, you know, I'm now at a point in my life where I feel like, you know, I was, I was approaching my 40s mm-hmm. and you kind of get to that point and you're like, what am I doing? You know, why am I here? Um, and, you know, I wanted to leave a legacy for my kids. Good on you. And, and I feel like when that lightning bolt strikes, there's sort of two ways you go about it. One is you kind of start working on it as a side hustle and yeah. keep the, the full-time day job or you jump out and you throw yourself in it. Which approach did you take? I think the intention was the side hustle. <laughs> you know, one night I came up with the idea and sat on it for a little bit and started working on it. And then I thought, if I didn't give this my 120%, mm. I would probably regret that. And if it failed, then I would always wonder, is it because, you know, I didn't just jump into it? And so I handed in my resignation. And yeah, seven months after the night I came up with the idea, Eat My Lunch launched from my home kitchen. Wow, that's a serious hustle. That is, yeah. <laughs> so talk to me. I mean, you said you'd been involved in charity before, but you intentionally chose to make this a social enterprise. Why was that the model you went with? I think this is such a massive problem. You know, when I realised the scale of it and having worked in charities gave me a good insight to what works and what doesn't work in the traditional charity model. So I didn't want to spend all my time fundraising, trying to get grants, get donations. That's not my passion. And having the commercial background and spending all that time in corporate, it kind of just actually made sense to me that a business model could actually solve a social problem. And different from traditional business, which is all focused on making money, if this business is actually focused on solving a social issue, but doing it in a commercially Mm. savvy way, that that could work. And so that's why, um, look, social enterprise wasn't actually really around when we started. It was such a new concept. But I'd seen a couple of similar models overseas and I just thought that's really smart. And the sustainability of it all, um, being able to self-finance rather than rely on external funding and also being able to then scale the business Mm. because you know, that problem is so big. Absolutely. And, and so those early days, how, how did the model or how has the model come to life? So for people listening, wondering what a social enterprise looks like, you've got a commercial team who provide a, the product to corporates that you offer. Uh, and then you've got the volunteer team who are delivering uh, for schools. Talk to us about how you decided to kind of create that one for one structure. Yeah, so the I mean the consumer proposition is, you know, so you go and buy a lunch yep. for yourself and that lunch also funds a lunch for a kid. And how it actually then manifests itself practically in an operational way is, yeah, so we kind of have a really clear delineation between the buy side, so that's the commercial side of the business and the give side. Mm-hmm. And so on the buy, you know, we have staff, so we've got 45 staff now. Wow. Um, so they make all the lunches for the people who are buying. On the give side, we just thought, you know, there's so many Kiwis who do want to help and people just don't know how to go about doing it. And we thought this is a really great opportunity to get people from the community on board to get involved and actually give something back. And so we just asked people if they'd like to come in and help. And initially we thought we don't know how to actually get people to come in and get volunteers. But we just kind of put it out there and suddenly I was getting all these emails from total strangers saying we'd love to come in. 
So um, in the early days, we would have, you know, like 20 strangers come to the house. <laughs> oh, the house originally, I <laughs> the, love that. It was in the yeah. house, you know, at 6.30 in the morning and our team would be, you know, at one side making the lunches for the paying customers, they'd making lunches for the kids. But it was it was just a really great kind of way for those two parts to be together. And so, yeah, these strangers would be in there. My kids would then wake up and there'd be like, you know, 30 people in the house that they didn't know, that they didn't navigate around to make their own breakfast and lunch. And um, when we moved, I think and when we got a lot bigger, you know, one of the challenges for us is, is this sustainable? Are people going to keep coming? Or was it just a, oh, it sounds like a really cool thing to do? Um, but in the three years that we've been going, we've had over 12,000 people wow. come and help us. Um, we have a two to three month waiting list. To help. To help. That's incredible. Just yeah. shows how many people want to, as you say, make a difference. Yeah. And you know what, Eat My Lunch has kind of become is this vehicle yeah. for people to easily make a difference in a really tangible and immediate way. And I really love that. And it's kind of brought all parts of the community together. Yeah. So anyone can come in and volunteer. So some mornings, you know, you might have a CEO standing next to a um, high school student you know, who's standing next to a musician and sports person or a police, you know, man or doctors. So it's, I love the fact that everyone's come for this common purpose. Mm. doesn't matter who you are, what you do. Um, we always say, if you can butter bread, you know, <laughs> you can be a part of it. I like that. So what you said, you know, that was where it started. What does a typical morning look like at 6.30am in the Eat My Lunch Kitchens now? How many people and how many meals? Well, our team starts at five. Oh, five, there we go. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and then the volunteers come at 630 Yep. So every day we're making 2,750 lunches for the kids. Wow. And then what customers order, that varies on a day-to-day -day basis. So sometimes it can be the same number, sometimes a bit lower, sometimes higher. Um, but kind of on a weekly basis, it averages out to the buy one, give one. Wow. Um, model. So, yeah, so some mornings we can have like 50. We generally have around 50 people in the morning just making out, making thousands and thousands of lunches. It's easy to look at from the outside and go, three years, extraordinary momentum, but I'm sure that's not doing you justice in terms of the challenges uh, that you would have had to overcome in that three-year period and some of the resilience you would have had to demonstrate. What's been the most difficult part? Oh, I, I think like any startup, it's um, managing growth. Yeah. So, you know, we really didn't anticipate to grow so quickly. Uh, we hit our three-year forecast in 12 weeks. Wow. And um, so and that was operating from our home kitchen. And so every day it was like, we've got to go to Bunnings, buy trestle tables, <laughs> you know, buy chillers, fridges. <laughs> um, and with that, you know, one of the most important part of any business is the people. Yep. And um, we've been very fortunate because of our strong sense of purpose that we attract the right kind of people with similar values. But, yeah, that's easy to kind of maintain when you might just be a team of 12 now that we're kind of 45 and in two different locations and we're about to open up in Christchurch with another team. Kind of um, setting and having that consistency of expectations and values and processes and systems mm -hmm. that relies so heavily on people has been really challenging. So how do you do that? Um, we're still learning, yep. you know, and some things we've had to kind of go back and correct and set up properly. So some of our HR systems, 
yeah, when you're growing so quickly, initially it was like, who wants to come work for us? Just come, you know, <laughs> no inductions, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Loose now. Loose hiring policies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we didn't even do reference checking at the start because we were just, we just needed hands. Yeah. And so now we've had to kind of go back and set up and be more structured about that recruitment process. And really just getting um, a lot of help externally. So from the start, we had a really great advisory board. I wanted to ask you about that because I know you'd had an incredible career in business up to that point, but this was your first time running your own, wasn't it? Yeah, and also in food production. It's a totally different ball game. And yeah, we're in fresh food production, so it's every single day we make fresh daily, um, which is very difficult um, and... Yeah, I'm used to having products that have six months, you know, on it. You make it, sits there, and you try and sell it. This was so different, and um, so we, you know, people order online. We they have a 36-hour kind of cutoff, and then it's ordering ingredients from all of our suppliers, baking, fresh fruit and vegetables, comes in. Our team starts making it at 5 in the morning. It's on people's desks by 12.30 that wow. very same day. So the supply chain and logistics part of this business is incredibly complex um, and that's where we've put a lot of time and effort into. And you mentioned, you know, how intentionally you'd chosen the people that work for you. What about that advisory board? How did you go about getting the right people to speak in and help guide the way the business was growing? Yeah, I think really understanding, you know, what we were really good at um, and getting people to kind of help us with things we weren't so good at. It's why we brought on um, renowned chef Michael Meredith. So... Yeah, I love food, but I we knew like I knew very early on I didn't know how to make food for hundreds of people, and so having a chef like that who could come and advise on processes and um, what could work in volume and what can't, you know, mm-hmm. it's very easy making a meal for four. When you try and do that for thousands um, and scaling up, it's a totally different um, ball game. So what what's, what are some of the things we wouldn't appreciate? What what are some of the challenges of that? So what are the things that like one of my favorite things is egg sandwiches. Yeah, and so I said, my yeah, I was like, I really want to make egg sandwiches for our customers. Um, and so the, I remember it must have been our second or third week we decided to run it on the menu, and you know we had to cook something like six hundred eggs. <laughs> and a big pot on my stovetop at home and then peel them and cut them up and it was a complete disaster you can imagine like there were bits of shell everywhere yep. some of the eggs weren't cooked properly some were overcooked and um, we only ever ran that once <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's something you just can't scale <laughs> no I believe that yeah so um yeah just things like that and you know particularly when you start out with the best intentions and I always wanted everything to feel like it was homemade and really made with love. So when we first made some of the lunches, like for the kids, we used to hand peel and chop carrot sticks and celery wow. sticks and then wrap them up beautifully and wrap up all the sandwiches. And then, you know, when we were starting to do 700 of them, we're like, okay, we've got to change the process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's incredible, yeah. isn't it? So much learning on the way. And, yeah. and when you hit your three-year forecast in 12 weeks. Mm. How did you recalibrate the goal? Where did you reset the target at for where you wanted to take uh, the business? Yeah, I think we always were cautious because we we just didn't know if it was going to work or not. And then to suddenly hit that, it was like, oh, gosh, you know, okay, maybe we have an idea here. Mm. Where are we going to go from here? And so geographical expansion was always um, one of our first goals. 
you know, Auckland is New Zealand's biggest city, but a lot of need is also outside of that. And the other centres like Wellington, um, and then we're now in Hamilton as well. Our goal is to get to the 25,000 kids all over New Zealand wow. um, every day. And so, you know, we've had to kind of re-strategize and think about how can we do that and do it efficiently and on scale. So we've brought in partners like, for example, Foodstuffs North Island, um, who owns the New Worlds and Pack and Saves all around the country. And, you know, that is really exciting because they've got this distribution network mm. already that can touch, you know, all of New Zealand which means that we can get our lunches to all the kids that need it. Awesome. So it's strategic partnerships. Mm. And that's sort of in, in many ways a new frontier for social businesses, isn't it? Like when I was reading about the fact you had um, shareholders and things like that, that's not something I've come across as much in social businesses, but it's part of the opportunity that the model presents, isn't it? Yeah, and having, um, you know, people come in with skin in the game, Yeah. you know, and they want to make it work because they're very aligned with our mission and our values and they've invested in the business. And so they also want to see, you know, us succeed. It's interesting having shareholders because I think it is something that people are struggling to get their heads around is that you can have shareholders and be a business and make money, but you're also doing good. Mm. These two things just don't seem to be able to exist together. And I think what, you know, Eat My Lunch is trying to show that it can. And actually it's a good thing because when you can grow the business successfully and commercially it means you can do far more good yeah so that's a is a interesting time particularly in New Zealand as social business becoming more mainstream for people to kind of understand well how does that actually work yeah and what are the different options to scale it and grow it and fund it and those sorts of things because you're being quite creative can't you yeah yeah and I think it's really exciting yeah yeah and to have access to funds, um, to have investors, to be able to scale means, you know, the impact that you can have uh, can be huge. How do you manage your own energy so that you can give your best to your kids, give your best to the business, you name it? I think everyone struggles with yeah. Yeah, <laughs> balancing, you know, work and life and family commitments. And, um, you know, I'm no different to anyone else. And yeah, particularly with the kids, I actually really loved it when it was in our home. And I know everyone says, oh, you must be so glad, you know, you don't have you know, this business running in your house. But I really enjoyed it because the kids were part of it. And they would wake up and they'd see it all going on. And they actually understood what their mum was doing, you know, rather than seeing me go off to an office or go off and then come back at the end of the day. So they are very much part of it. They know everyone there. They know all the staff. Um, you know, some mornings like Toby, he would even make eggs for Michael for breakfast. And that was really fun. And I loved the integration of it. Mm-hmm. And now it's definitely one of the most demanding jobs I've ever had. Like the amount of energy and time. It's 24-7. You never stop thinking about it. Um, as anyone who runs their own business will know. And it's not always smooth sailing. You know, there's lots and lots of issues, firefighting every day. Um, And then once you've done that, you've actually got to work on the business as well. So it's incredibly demanding. But I think my energy comes from the fact that I know every single bit of energy and time I put into it, there's a result. And I'm driving it forward towards where I want it to go. And to have that luxury of being in control of kind of like your business's destiny and your own destiny 
I, I really am very grateful for that. It must make your kids more aware of the community they're growing up in too, you know, th- knowing that mum is contributing to helping feed mouths that wouldn't otherwise be fed. That would really, I guess, ground their reality in a really, um, in quite a, a powerful way. Yeah, they they don't know really any different, which is yeah. really nice. And I often get a lot of parents who will say, can I bring my kids into volunteer? Because they want their kids to know that not everyone's as lucky and privileged as they are. And I always tell the story about like, in the three years that we've been going, probably one of my proudest moments was when I overheard Ella and Toby having this massive argument. How old were the kids at this point? They were about seven and nine. Okay. All I heard was like, no, you're not, I am. No, you're not, I am. And they, so they had this huge argument. It was basically... Basically, they're arguing about who is going to inherit and run eat my lunch when I die. It was <laughs> really awesome, cool that they would want to do that yeah. and actually, you know, run eat my lunch um, in the future. So, you know, if you look back to where you started three and a half years ago and, and all that you've learned on the journey you've been on, what bit of advice would you love to go back and be able to tell yourself, you know, three and a half years ago? Oh, I think planning for growth and, you know, being ambitious because it's, it is such a courageous thing to do to be able to set up your own business and kind of step into that unknown. And I think particularly Kiwis, we always were like, oh, you know, it's probably not going to do very well. And <laughs> and we just never planned for it because we're like, oh, it'll take ages to get there. And, and I think if we had planned a little bit better, you know, we would probably be in a better position now with some of our systems and processes and, you know, managing our cash flow a bit better. So understanding some of those um things that could throw you off course and having a bit of a plan for that um, I think is really important. Yeah, so really because I think, you know, you can use phrases like preparing for growth and some people can sit there and go, what, what does that mean in practicality? But you're really saying having systems that were capable of meeting the scale as things grew and sort of being ready from the start for that level of demand as yeah. opposed to getting caught out by it. Yeah, and then kind of constantly reacting to it. Yeah, um, uh, yeah well, a really great example is we built a website that can enable us to change prices or add products or be multi-city because we're like, oh, we're never going to, you know, need to do that anytime soon. Yeah, so it's just things, you know, just having a little bit of that longer term um, and bigger view of if you were to scale this business, how would you actually do it and some of the processes you would need to do that. And I think, you know, Michael really challenged us, particularly on the food front. I had this really great idea that I was going to bake everything myself so the sweet treats that we have in the lunchbox like I love baking and I tested all these recipes and he just came in and he's like Lisa you're not going to be able to do that and so kind of just thinking you know is this scalable and repeatable and what have you learned in terms of um the role of business in tackling social problems like have, have you been surprised has it met your expectations has it been more powerful than you even thought it's funny when we set up Eat My Lunch and the way that I thought about it, it just seemed so natural to me that business should solve these social problems or it was a really logical way to doing it. Um, and, you know, I think we've proven that with Eat My Lunch that the impact and the scale that you can have can be huge. Mm. And so I think there's absolutely is every business's responsibility to help solve social issues or have some kind of positive impact in the community. And that's beyond just, you know, a CSR, a normal CSR program or ticking the box saying, oh, yeah, we've done our bit for the community. Um, Businesses have to be more than just about making money these days. And I think what we've been able to show is that, you know, having this social purpose and mission really at the heart Mm. of what we do, the money will come. The commercial side will come. 
but businesses need to take that more seriously and more integrated into everything that they do. And do you start to see that happening? Absolutely. Yeah. I love it because I get lots of phone calls and emails from people saying, look, I really want to do something like Eat My Lunch or, you know, I really want to solve this problem but with a business model. How do I go about doing that? Particularly from young entrepreneurs. Great. Yeah, and everyone wants to have that social element integrated into their business. And I think that is the way forward. Um, and what we've also done is we've enabled other businesses to actually help, you know, with this problem businesses that um, have used their strengths and skills and with a partnership with us, then actually, again, make a really great impact. Mm. So that's been really nice to see too. And I love the way that the partners that we have, they've approached us always and just said, look, we really want to help. What can we do? Can we give you this? Can we do that? And, and then you, you know, coming from corporate world, I always think, well, what do you want in return? All of them genuinely don't want anything in return. And that's really refreshing too, that there isn't this focus on return on investment and, you know, what are we going to get for that kind of money? And it's this genuine sense of people really just want to do good. Yeah, they like what you're doing and they want to support it. Yeah. When you get those young entrepreneurs emailing you saying, hey, I've got an idea, what what suggestion do you give to them on how to take that first step? Yeah, I say do research, kind of validate that there is definitely a market for your idea. Make sure it's commercially sound and that you are going to make money and be sustainable. And then just give it a go. Just set it up. You know, don't wait around. Because people were surprised when I say it literally was only seven months between, you know, the idea and when we launched. And I think it's all about actions and not just sitting around talking about it. And that's one of the key values at Eat My Lunch is that if we see something, we'll just go and try it. You know, there's none of this, let's do a five-page business, you know, recommendation on it and assess all the risks. We're like, let's just try it. Let's do it. Then learn from it and move on. So is that an example of where Eat My Dinner came from? That was the recent expansion? Yeah. So I mean, with us, with new product development, we're all often, you know, we might get feedback from customers that say, oh, look, you know, when I'd really love if you could do dinners and then, mm-hmm. Well, okay, well, that sounds like there's a need for that. Let's try it out. Let's do it. And then it just happens. So you're running like a 24-hour kitchen now. Uh, Almost, almost, yeah. It is quite full on. We try not to do weekends. <laughs> yeah, I bet. you got to save some time. Yeah, but particularly as we get up into, you know, the Christmas and the busy season, there's a lot of kind of weekend demand as well. So, And I wanted to ask, I mean, I'm very grateful for the, the time that you've given in having a conversation. One of the things that we like to focus on at Coffee Pods aligns up with exactly what you just touched on there, which is this piece around taking action and taking responsibility to move things forward and shift the dial. So what what call to action would you like to encourage our listeners to go and do after listening to you? I think, you know, we all have these brilliant ideas and but nothing's going to happen until we actually act on it. And I think just take that first step. And it does take a lot of courage to do that. But you, uh, for me, it was always about not having regrets and not mm. wondering what if. Um, and I think any, particularly, you know, I was just a working mum, corporate mum. Anyone can have a huge impact and make a difference. And it's just around taking action. I love that. Brilliant. 
Uh, and I wanted to ask you in those moments where you felt that fear, and I think you just said it there, you know, how did you push through and do it anyway? And obviously it was that focus on I don't want to live with regret, I don't want to end up going what could have happened that really helped you push past those moments where you, you felt a little bit of fear um, coming up and maybe trying to restrict you from taking action. Yeah. Oh, one of my favourite quotes is, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Ooh, yeah, and so every time I do get a little bit worried or something's not going to work, uh, you know, I kind of remind myself of that and I think, no, just go for it and we'll, we'll see what's on the other side. And do you intentionally surround yourself with people who feel that same way too? Because I imagine that part of that's not just your own reinforcement, but the group of people that you're around a lot of the time, on fellow entrepreneurs or people that support you in that risk-taking. Yeah, absolutely. Like I love surrounding myself with people like that and, you know, seeing what other people are doing and how they're taking risks and, um, and again, just people who are constantly active and, you know, just making things happen. Um, and my team is very much like that. And, you know, if we have issues in the morning or we're a bit behind, like everyone just jumps online and we just make it happen. And that is the kind of, you know, the spirit of Eat My Lunch. Well, I feel like we've been given a brilliant call to action. Everything you want's on the other side of fear. So go out there and take a step uh, towards it today. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing the story of Eat My Lunch. I feel very fortunate that people like you have chosen to take action in the way that you've done and to think that thousands upon thousands of young New Zealanders, in fact, you're nearly close to a million meals, am I right? Yeah, in a few weeks we'll be giving our one millionth lunch. Unbelievable. Congratulations. Keep going. uh, And I wish you every success with getting to that scale target of 25,000 meals a day for young kids across the country. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired and have some practical ideas for how you can go and fuel the difference you want to see in your life, organisation or community. If that's a yes, please take a moment to send us feedback, shoot me a tweet at Holly Ransom, leave a review for this coffee pod or head to www.coffeepodswithholly.com and send in your questions and suggestions for future coffee pods. But for now, until our next coffee break, I've been Holly Ransom. Thanks for fueling your difference with me.